Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, January 10th. Happy New Year's. It's 2008. Congratulations to a new beginning. Create your grandest vision this year for yourself and begin today. Evolution Revolution is here to support you by being focused on offering you, the listeners, intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution wherever you may be listening. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, writer, public speaker, leader, and spiritual teacher. I am honored to have on the show tonight an inspirational author, teacher, and an amazing leader, David Robert Ord. Thank you so much for joining me tonight on Evolution Revolution, the first show of 2008. Thank you so kindly, David. It's a delight to be with you, Dulcinea. Thank you. So David has had a fascination with Jesus as a giant in personal development since he was a child in elementary school in England. His pursuit of insight into the self-understanding of Jesus took him from his home in Yorkshire to New Zealand and then to the United States where he studied at the Graduate Theological Union of Berkeley and became a graduate of San Francisco Theological Seminary. With more than 20 years of experience teaching about Jesus in traditional congregations, David now presents us with an understanding of Jesus that breaks conventional images and reveals him to be the epitome of our humanity, a mirror of the true essence of who each of us are. So David, please let us know how the inspiration for your latest release, Your Forgotten Self, mirrored in the Jesus the Christ arose. It's a beautiful story. Well, for me, it's been a very long journey. And I started, of course, in the Anglican Church in England, sang in the church choir as a choir boy and as a young man. And then I, I went more into the Billy Graham kind of understanding of spirituality for a while. And um, somewhere along about my mid to late 20s, many of the things that I was told that Jesus had said and the way we were supposed to live, I found weren't actually working for me. Um, it was supposed to work a certain way if you followed the formula, and it didn't. And that left me asking a lot of questions. So I went back to the uh, scriptures and started to read them again, read them with fresh eyes. And as I did so, my understanding of Jesus began to change. It began to change quite dramatically. I started to look at what scholarship had shown us about the Gospels, for example, how they arose, who they were written to, who they were written by, and what their purpose was. And as I started to read with new eyes, I began to see that Jesus was, instead of being a character who was completely different from us, was actually the epitome of who we are as human beings. So I had grown up thinking of Jesus as the Son of God, unique, different from me, and 
what I began to see in Scripture is that, that the Son of God is a corporate reality. It's um, rather like a body which has many members. And of course, people speak of in churches the body of Christ. But they don't tend to take it very seriously. And what I discovered is that Jesus is simply one human being who discovered his divinity and who, through him, we begin to see our own true self mirrored. We start to discover that God isn't different from us, but is manifested as us, because as the Hebrew scriptures said all that time ago in the first chapter of Genesis, we are created in the image and likeness of God. And so the way I had grown up seeing myself as a human being who was completely inferior to God, uh, certainly evil, you know, and flawed in so many ways, full of guilt and riddled with fear of getting it in the neck for anything I did that wasn't right from this angry and vengeful God that I had imagined. And um, I began to see all of this was absolutely contrary to everything that Jesus believed and taught. So my journey became one of understanding Jesus as my mirror, seeing in him who I really am. Now, when I started to see myself as a son of God, as part of a corporate son or daughter of God that involves us all, um, my whole attitude toward myself and my life changed. I mentioned that many of the things that I was taught didn't work out in everyday life. Now, they began to work. For example, Jesus made a statement to a Samaritan woman in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of John that if she were to drink of the water he would give her, she would never, ever be thirsty again. What I found in the Christianity that I grew up in is that I was constantly pining after something. I was longing, yearning for something that never seemed to become a fulfilling experience for me. And as I looked around at my fellow Christians in the various churches I went to, I saw the same thing in them. That what Jesus talked about, something where you never thirst again, where that longing, that yearning, that sense of emptiness, that void, that hollowness just vanishes, and you start to feel complete and wonderful and filled with joy and love and peace, I began to realize that this was an experience that wasn't just for Jesus. It was for all of us. And he came to show us the way to that. And that changed my life completely, every aspect of it. Absolutely. That is so amazing. And, you know, I can completely relate to your story. I myself was raised in um, a, a quite a religious family, a Catholic church, and I went to Catholic school, and we had religion incorporated into our daily curriculum and since I was a young child, I always had this understanding that Jesus was my role model. I don't, know, I don't know exactly where that came from, but I think just from within my heart as a child, I thought Jesus is just who I would like to be like. And that is what you've brought in the premise of this book is you are like Jesus. Jesus and you are not different. Jesus is not yes. superior and, and I really exactly. found that to be so fascinating. And not only do you bring that amazing truth to the reader in your forgotten self mirrored in Jesus the Christ, you also take it to the next step. And you say, well, why do we do this? And you look at the human aspects of our guilt, of our fears, of our inability to trust our divine guidance. 
which leads us again to keep that dualistic thinking that we are different. So you really remind us how to become in this aspect of looking at Jesus as our role model and knowing that we are one with Jesus and then teaching us how to work through our blocks to really re-embrace that. And that is such a miracle. And I just thank you so much for bringing this to the world and to humanity. It's such a, it's the zeitgeist. It's, it, this, the world is ready for this new revelation that Jesus and us are one and we, we can live just as Jesus did today. I really do believe that that many people are ready for this. Um, You know, a lot of people are tired of feeling bad about themselves. They've found that feeling guilty doesn't really change us. We tinker with our lives. Uh, Fear can motivate us to tinker with our lives. Uh, Guilt can motivate us to some degree. But it doesn't bring the substantive change that turns us into these joyous, loving, peaceful people that clearly Jesus intended us to be. And, um, you know, I grew up believing in the doctrine of original sin. And I thought that I was born sinful. It, it came supposedly through the sex act. There's supposed to be something wrong with that. And so from the beginning, we, we inherit this so-called fallen nature. And I began to understand that this was entirely a misunderstanding, a misreading of the whole of the scriptures, the Genesis story and the second chapter of Genesis especially, but also of Paul's teaching on this kind of thing in books like the letter to the Romans. And I started to see that our original sin, and I might say for many people who are more new thought, that there is a tendency to sort of say, well, why do we even need doctrines like that and just sort of toss them out wholesale? But actually, they address an important aspect of our understanding of who we are. And I don't think we can just toss them out. What we need to do is understand what they were really driving at. There is a daily reality for us. And that daily reality in people's lives is that they feel inadequate. How many of us are endlessly apologized for selves, as a friend of mine puts it? Endlessly apologized for. In everything we do, we feel inadequate. We don't feel quite worthwhile. We're not quite up to snuff. That's what the doctrine of original sin addresses. But it's the opposite from the way that I learned it as I grew up in church. If you look at the story of Adam and Eve, they were created good. God pronounces the creation very good. So there's nothing wrong with them. Now, the serpent tells them that they are inadequate and that they need to become wise. And if they will only eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they can become like God is. Well, the problem is they already were. They were created in the image and likeness of God and had access to all the wisdom, the inner knowing that they needed. And the problem was they didn't believe that. They bought what they were told. When God is walking in the garden in the symbolism and speaks to Adam and Eve, they've covered themselves, they've covered their nakedness, this whole sense of sex being shameful. And God says to them, who told you that you were naked? In other words, they had bought something they were told, and what they were told is, you're inferior, you're not good enough, you need to become different from who you are. 
I find that is the lie that most of us as human beings, from the moment we are born into the world, begin to breathe into our very being. It's in the way parents talk to us, the way teachers talk to us. We, we learn to put ourselves down. We learn to feel that we're not adequate, that we're um, even flawed in some serious way, and maybe even somewhat sinful. And, of course, we've completely misunderstood this word sin. The word sin simply means to miss the mark. Romans 3.23 says, all has sinned and comes short of the glory of God. There's the definition. The very word sin is the word used by an archer in firing an arrow, and it misses the bullseye. So we are the glory of God. We were created in the image and likeness of God to share in and to show God's glory, to manifest God's glory in the universe, and insomuch as we have failed to believe that about ourselves because of the culture we've grown up in that has taught us not to believe in ourselves as the magnificent people we are, that is where our sinfulness lies. And of course it's original because it's there before we come into the world. It's passed on to us through the culture. But it's not in our genes, and it's not inherently the way we are. It's just what we've learned to believe about ourselves, what we've learned to tell ourselves, and how we've learned to feel about ourselves. And it's not true. And if we go to a deeper level beneath all that false thought and those false emotional reactions and so forth that we have been trained into by the culture, underneath that, we find that we actually feel fantastic about ourselves. And when I discovered that, it was such a revelation. I, I realized I didn't feel worthless. I didn't lack value, and I actually felt fantastic. And wow, what a difference. When I think of most, most of my life, really, lived waking up in the morning, struggling, feeling inadequate, not feeling good enough, and the contrast now of waking up each morning, feeling excited, fantastic, joyous, it's just what Jesus talked about, rivers of living water that just pour from our inner being, and we never feel this yearning to be something different ever again. We're completely thirst quenched. It's a wonderful way to live. Absolutely, and I couldn't agree more. I have, again, as I said, I just have inherently, since 2002, I've been on a, what I call a self-realization pursuit. There was just an awakening for me, and it brought me to a new level of awareness. And I was in biology in college, and I recall me and a couple of my girlfriends, one of them was extremely religious, and she and I said, you know, what can we do to be all that we are? And I said, well, we just need to look to Jesus. We don't need to look necessarily to any religion or any specific doctrine. I think that those are great fundamental foundations for where Jesus came from. But Jesus himself was the living example. The doctrine or the Bible came with Jesus in that revelation, like in, in the terms of I'm referring to as the A.D., so after Jesus was born, it was like the light returned. We, were, we had been given a living example of the con- highest conscious potential that we as human beings could embrace, which in essence was Jesus' experience, his, his energy, his ability to love and to open his heart to love and to being able to give love and to receive love. And that is what would bring in that joy 
and that reminder that we are good, we are not evil, we are love, we are not dark, we are inherently divine beings, and and everything else that we're being told in that duality is not the truth. It is other than the truth. And I think that you just do a great, a great job in this book, really using the doctrine as a fundamental foundation, and then adding the the consciousness that Jesus is the model. He is not in the book. We don't need to go to the Bible and read word for word. That can be a great resource to reinforce that truth. Absolutely. But just look to think. Remember the big saying, there was a big um, hype a few years back, and it was WWJD, and that represented what would Jesus do? And I thought that was so profound. Whoever thought of that idea and hyped it up and marketed it on, you know, stuffed animals and cards and bumper stickers, I thought whoever did that was really on to something because they're now asking us to consider in our behaviors, in our actions, would we do what Jesus did? And it kind of got us away from looking at the Bible or the religious doctrine, and not that the Bible, again, it doesn't have the answers, but I think Jesus himself spoke volume of the Bible through his actions, and that is what we need as a humanity to wake up and actually take action, is to really see that others took action, and Jesus did such a phenomenal job for us. Well, you know, Jesus himself in the New Testament makes the statement, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life. But they point to me. They are just a testimony to the living reality. And the thing is, in asking what would Jesus do, we need to find the answer to that question within ourselves. It's not by studying a book. It's not by trying to figure out what he might do with our minds. But it is rather by entering into the same Christ experience, or we could equally say Buddha experience, that he entered into. That's the real issue. That within me, there is an inner knower. It's called the Holy Spirit in the language of Christianity. But it is my true essence. It's who I am. And it has the answers for everything I need to know in my life. For example, the book of Romans says, where are we to go to find what God wants us to do? Do we have to ascend into heaven or descend into um, the, the um, pit of hell to find it? No. It says the word is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth. In other words, when we are spontaneously flowing from our hearts, when we are being true to who we are, we live and we express who God is just the same way that Jesus did. It's, it's the most natural thing in the world. You know, Namaste Publishing puts out a book that was published at about the same time as mine by Constance Kello, and it's called The Leap, Are You Ready to Live a New Reality? And in this, Constance, she's done such a brilliant job of showing that it's not that we have to try to become something or that we have to find a potential and somehow unleash it. All we have to do is just be what we are. That's all it takes. It's a leap into awareness and consciousness that just says, if I am my natural self, 2 Peter 1, 4 says we are partakers of the divine nature. So if we are expressions of God's nature, all we have to do is just let it be, let it flow. And it comes in the most natural, easy, organic way possible. Our whole life begins to mirror 
this inner reality that is the divine itself, that is the heart and core of the universe. It's very simple to do. Yes, and, and you know, that premise right there has fundamentally sent the foundation for what we call, quote-unquote, the new age, or, you know, the yes. new age era. And, and it just says that you are the answer. And there actually is a book by a gentleman in, out of Mount Shasta named Michael Tamora, and the book is called You Are the Answer. And then there's also another book that comes to mind by Alan Cohen who says, Dare to be yourself. And so yes. what's so beautiful about what you and Constance are bringing with these beautiful books is just you're bringing the essence that be who you are in your highest expression. Take the leap to embrace the higher you and do it effortlessly. Do it with ease. Do it with grace and do it with faith and trust. And I think that you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful presentation and I think that, again, the challenge that all of us have as human beings is how do we know that we are worthy, that we are deserving? How do we remember? How do we overcome those quote-unquote lies that we are not deserving or that we are not worthy? And, and I think, again, in your book, you do a great job of scripture, of quotes, using ideas and, and just using simple stories of how, how does this work in everyday life? And, you know, in, in one chapter of, of your forgotten self, um, you had mentioned to just look at what Jesus would do when he received guidance. And what would he do? He would go within, he would receive the guidance, and he would trust the higher essence of what he receives. Well, for instance, myself, I, I have these experiences where I receive a lot of information from the divine. And my greatest challenge is trusting that information. And so for me, you really hit it uh, right on the head <laughs> when you say, you know, if you ask, you will receive. And if you don't feel like you know what to do, it's not because the guidance isn't being given. It's that you right. don't trust what's coming to you. And when I, got, when I read that, I thought, okay, I'm calling this man right now <laughs> because this is what so many of us face. Even though we know we have the faith, even though we know we're deserving because we have these beliefs that we can be bigger and better than we already are. It's just how do we, how do we learn to trust? You know, so when I, you mentioned the, the New Age um, uh, people a, a little while ago. And when I think of most of the New Age people that I, I meet, uh, and I, I meet a lot of them, and then I, I look at most Christians, and I see a parallel between them, and that is that so many of them are still searching. Whether they're Christian or they're New Age or Buddhist or whatever their particular path, so many are still searching for something. And you talked about it being within us. And yet somehow for many, the penny doesn't seem to drop, but it really is within us. And if I ask, I do receive, and the answers come to me organically, they are lived through my life. If I just let myself breathe a little. I was watching a, um, the movie Chocolat again the other night, which happens to be one of my favorite movies, and it came on HD television. And, and, and I was watching how 
in all of these people's lives, symbolized by the little boy who's so overprotected by his mother. There is a need to just let themselves breathe and be who they are. And I, it's a strange thing to see how the, the fundamentalist church, the Catholic church, the Anglican I grew up in, Presbyterians, Methodists, so forth, and New Age, all are in the same struggle to still try to become something, to try to find something, when there is actually nothing to seek after. You seek, you find. All you have to do is believe it's there. And even the believing doesn't take any work. What it really means is participate in. The, the Greek word pistes is, is the kind of faith, it's like when you get on an aircraft and you participate in the flight. You have confidence. You switch on an electric light, and, and you know that if you press that switch, the power will go on. So it's that kind of thing that's faith. It's not something I have to think about. I have to work up emotionally or anything of the kind. I just have to trust. I just have to, to commit myself to the path um, that, that is laid out for me in everyday life and trust that that is God living as me. Christ as us. Christ being who we are in our everyday lives is what it's all about. And it's such an easy, natural, simple flow. You know, people are searching for peace in the world. They want world peace. They want personal peace. Another of our authors of Namaste Publishing, Michael Brown, likes to, he, he wrote the, power, um, the, the Presence Process. And um, he, he likes to say that in the Middle East there isn't a lack of peace. There's an abundance of peace in the Middle East. The problem is all the people who can't feel the stillness that's there. That's what Constance Keller's book, The Leap, is about. Feeling the stillness, experiencing the stillness that is there in us. So I like it. I love this story. I don't know where I first heard this story, but some years ago, in the days of a sailing ship coming up the coast of South America, they, uh, they ran out of water. And they happened to see another ship passing, and they signaled to it in Morse, can you share your water? And the other ship signaled back, dip where you are. Well, the captain thinks to himself, this is insane. We can't drink salt water. So he said, they must have under misunderstood the signal. So he sends another signal, can you share your water? And again, the other sailing ship signals back, dip where you are. So a bucket is lowered into the ocean drawn up, and the captain sticks his finger in and tastes it, and the water is sweet. What they didn't know is they were in the midst of a mile-wide mile inrush of the Amazon. And I think our lives are like that. We are searching in our thoughts, in our emotions. We're yearning for something. We're longing. We feel empty. We feel there's a void in our lives. And we go to all of these things trying to fill that up. But if we would just dip where we are, we would find that all the first quenching we want, water that we need is right within us. It's there. It's on tap. There is nothing to find. Enlightenment isn't something we have to work towards. It doesn't take 5, 10, 20, 30 years. Enlightenment is just opening our eyes to see what is right now. We are complete. We are full. You know, I think about desire in this way. Um, if you're in the Buddhist tradition, you sort of get the idea that desire might, could be a bad thing. But I think that's a real misunderstanding of what the Buddha taught. The Buddha is talking about craving that comes from a sense of emptiness, of trying to get something to fill this vacuum within me. 
But desire is actually just the opposite of that. The vacuum is an illusion, just like that ocean was actually sweet water and not salt. The vacuum is an illusion in us. There is no emptiness within us, except in what we've learned to think and believe about ourselves, the way we've learned to feel about ourselves in growing up. But there's actually a fullness. And our desire is the desire of God. It is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? It's simple. What do you really want? What do you really want in the depths of your heart for your life? That's the will of God for you. Now, you don't attach it to physical things. But desire is a fullness seeking to happen. It is not an emptiness trying to get filled. And we've got this whole thing reversed. There is no emptiness in us. There is all the fullness of God. We are filled with all of divinity. I think about the, the letter to the Ephesians in the New Testament, for example. It says in the, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Well, how much more full can you get? That is, that's the pleroma, that's the fullness. It's all there, every spiritual blessing right now. And then chapter 2, verse 6 says, we have been raised up with Christ, seated with him in the heavenlies. So people want to go to heaven to be fulfilled. Why? This is heaven. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is here. It's at hand. That means you can grasp hold of it and live it right now. And all you've got to do is just start being authentic. Just be genuine. Be who you really are. And trust that. Believe it. That's, that's the whole message of salvation right there. Yes, and that is the primary message that I received from your most phenomenal book, Your Forgotten Self, Mirrored in Jesus the Christ. I'd like to let our audience know you can find David on the web at www.namastepublishing.com. You're able to order the, the book on namastepublishing.com, and you can also order the book on amazon.com. So please explore him on the web, and you can tap into this truth that we're looking at today that reminds us that our answers are within. They are not in necessarily in dogma. They are not in God. We don't have to keep searching for that predetermined will for our lives. We have to look within our hearts and follow that journey and be, like as you've said, be authentic in that journey. And I think, you know, that scares most of us, to be quite honest, David. I think that's a pretty scary concept. It really does. <laughs> it scares us because we're so unaccustomed to it. From, yes. I mean, oh, there is a new book coming out. I'm right, I edited this book, and it is, um, I just began proofing the actual typeset copy this afternoon. It's uh, called Alchemy of the Heart by Michael Brown. It's his second book following on from the presence process. And it, it is all about authenticity. It is about if we ever get beneath the layers of how we think of ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, we will discover that in our deepest being, our deepest heart, our essence, wow, if we just have the courage to be that. If we just have the courage to be real. You know, you think about little children Michael, I've seen him lecture on this, and he, he's just an outstanding teacher on, on this issue. You look at the little children and how when, when we're small, you know, someone's coming to visit us, and we're so excited, and we want to jump up and down and run and say, we got visitors, and, and what are we told to do? Stand there like little gentlemen and little ladies and shake their hand modestly and all of that, and don't get too excited, and 
well, in my day, it was uh, just shut up, period, and be seen and not heard. Most people, it's not that bad these days. But, but we still, from the beginning, we learn to act. We're not allowed to be the incredible child that we are, which is very different from being childish. I have another book. It's only available in audio at this point, and it's only available through uh, namastepublishing.com. But it's called Lessons in Loving, A Journey into the Heart. And it unpacks the meaning of the story of the little prince. Uh, one of the people I work with at Namaste Publishing um, gave me a copy of The Little Prince six or seven years ago. And I had never read this <coughs> very famous children's book before. And as I read it, I began to realize that this really isn't a children's book at all. It's a profound journey into the heart of who we are. And when we discover that, we discover how to connect to each other in loving relationships because we recognize we already are connected. We don't have to make something happen. All we've got to do is recognize the connection that is there. So the lessons in loving uh, a journey into the heart unpacks the meaning of the little prince from cover to cover. And it's all about allowing the child we came into the world to be, each of us, a unique ray of God, a unique aspect of who the divine is, and allowing that to just play out in its own natural, wonderful way. That's that wonderful piece in the story of the little prince where he's watching the trains rushing back and forth, and um, he's asking where they're going. And as the signalman talks to him, he says, well, the only ones who are paying any attention in there with their noses pressed to the windows are the children. The rest of the adults are sleeping. What a true picture that is of our lives. And Michael Brown, in his new book, Alchemy of the Heart, which will come out in a couple of months' time, and in the presence process, invites us to go back and reparent ourselves. This is the real meaning of Jesus' teaching of being born again, or as he said, becoming converted and becoming like a little child. But unless we become like a little child again, we can't experience the kingdom of heaven. So this is the born again experience. It's not all of this accepting Jesus into your heart stuff that people talk about and getting saved and so forth. All of that is a complete distortion of what really Jesus taught about these things. It's about going back and discovering in our own heart, not back in time, but deep within ourselves, discovering this wonderful child of God who is spontaneous, joyful, peaceful, trusting, loving, connected. Discovering that person and allowing that to blossom. And it's, it's fantastic. The story of the little prince is the gospel. If you haven't read that book, and you might want the help of my uh, audiobook to, to read it, but it's a phenomenal story that parallels the Gospels. It's all about finding the inner well that's in the desert. Tremendous read. Have you, have you read that book yourself? I actually haven't, but I will be glad to pick it up. You know, children's stories are one of my favorite ways to learn, and, and I naturally have such an affinity for children. I think they are our best teachers because they just haven't been socialized. They haven't That's received right. all the programming, and so they can they take haven't us become back to authority. Yes, very authentic. And, you know, I actually, uh, very fun. I had a, I, The last year I worked with children, I said, okay, God, what do I want to do next? And I, I sat down in my meditative space, and, he, and I said, you know, what I want to do is I want to work with kids. They're just great. They're not like adults. I need a break. 
So I got this amazing opportunity within 24 hours to work with children, and I had um, 52 K through 6th graders. And each day was such a great challenge, and it was just every day they brought me back to the truth of who I was, whether they sang me a song, you know, you can fly, and, you know, whatever it was that they brought to me each day. One one of my favorites was this little beautiful fourth-grade boy. He came up to me. He goes, Misty, do you know what GAP stands for? And I thought, well, I know it's a clothing store, sweetheart, but I'm not quite sure, you know, what what you mean. Tell me. He goes, God answers prayers. (laughs) (laughs) I thought, you are, give me a high five. You are the best. (laughs) So it was just, again, reminding me of that truth that the children know that they're connected to God. They still have that sense of, I'm connected to something bigger than me, and I can share that. And then as we get older, as, you, as we discussed, you know, we're socialized, and we forget that we are pure. We forget who our, our, our authentic selves are. We bury ourselves with our cars and our jobs. And for me, it was a degree. And, you know, I mean, those things are valuable, but if they, if they go to the extent that you lose who you are, they're no longer valuable because who they you are They can't be our, most, our identity. Absolutely, who we are is the most valuable divine being beyond anything that this third-dimensional world offers. We are eternal spirits, and and I think children just have such a great way of bringing that. So I'm glad that you shared a resource for our audience to be able to touch back, tap back into that 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 innocence, that essence. I mean, if and you want a way of introducing your kids from a young age to really understanding that everything they need is within them because the divine is who they are. The Little Prince is a great book to do it with, uh, and especially if you unpack it in the sort of way I've done in the audio cassettes. But just to sit with your kids and read a little bit of that and each incident, to talk it over with them and, and, to, and to get them to understand themselves in this kind of way. And then they'll never lose that priceless person they are. And they, that's the experience of being born again to go back and to find out who I really was born to be in this world and to die to. And you see, this this starts to make sense of all the language of Jesus. He says you have to lose your life to find it. You have to die to it. You have to take up your cross daily. Well, people think that that is self-sacrificing and giving up this, that, and the other, and we could not be more wrong. It's the opposite of that kind of thing. Jesus came that we could have abundant life. What we have to die to, what has to die daily and be crucified, is this whole egoic way of looking at ourselves, which has taken the place of who we really are. Because when we were one and two and three years of age, we weren't encouraged to be true to who we are. We were made to fit in and to conform. Well, we have grown up with this ego, which is a way of thinking and feeling about ourselves, instead of simply being ourselves. And it's that false self that has to die. That's what's got to be crucified. And of course, as long as that lives, what we do is we crucify each other. We crucify ourselves by putting ourselves down all day long. And out of that self-mortification, we crucify other people. But what Jesus and Paul are really talking about is that holy goic self, that whole imagined me, that whole way I'd learned to think about myself being let go and dying so that the spontaneous me that I was born as a child to be, can be be reborn. It can be allowed now to blossom and to uh, grow into and flourish as the wonderful, magnificent person 
uh, each of us is. That, that's the journey of salvation. It's wholeness. It's, it's, it's a rescuing of who we were born to be that we have lost to the culture. Yes, and you know, I just want to remind our audience that the book we're discussing tonight is Your Forgotten Self, Mirrored in Jesus the Christ, published by Namaste Publishing at www.namastepublishing.com. And if you go under authors, you'll find David Robert Ord's name. And you can also find that he was speaking of the Lessons in Loving. That is available right there on his website. So please, please use that resource as you... Re- unleash your authentic self after you hear this. <laughs> so I'm very excited that we're offering our audience such great tools tonight. And I'd like to let them know your book is rich, rich with information. It's 25 chapters, brief, but very valuable and very practical. So I find this an easy read, but very, very enlightening. And I think that anybody who's looking at a way to let go of some of that programming, that socialization of what God or Jesus is and really wants to come back to their authentic self with that role model perception, please, please go ahead and order your forgotten self. You can pick it up on the web at namastepublishing.com or you can go to amazon.com and I saw that they had some some available there, and I'd like to mention you have one great five-star review on there. So any, anybody who does pick up the book, please put your review up there and let other, other people know how this book has impacted your life. And I want to let you know, David, I'll be doing that this evening or tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. You know, there are uh, also there are so many bookstores you can get this in, and if they don't have it in, they can get it within a day or two. But the Barnes and Nobles and all of these big bookstores, but also your little local bookstores. And the more bookstores that have it in, the more people will buy it. Because I, I, it's not just the fact that it's my book that I'm interested in here. I'm interested in the whole message of the entirety of Namaste Publishing because we want to reach the world with an understanding of this consciousness that is in all humans and that is the only salvation of the world. It is only when we open ourselves up to a new awareness of ourselves and begin to see ourselves in a new way, recognizing the divine in ourselves, that we're going to save this planet from self-destructing because we're in a terrible pickle right now. We really are in a mess. We're, we're, we're divided between East and West. We're divided within nations, and we are destroying the planet. I mean, you know, when you can't eat fish, I mean, I was in Whole Foods the other day, and they have these warnings up about the amounts of mercury and so forth in fish. When you have to think twice about eating a fish out of the oceans, because of the mercury and the PCBs and all of this, something has gone horribly wrong on this planet. And our salvation in this is to come into the consciousness of the divine. Nothing else has worked or can work. This is what it's about. It's in this sense that Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who points us to the deliverance which is within ourselves. The kingdom of God is within you, within you and among you. It's in all of us. It's an individual experience, and it has to become a collective experience. So the more that people get the book from places like bookstores so that they carry it, so that other people see it, and alert other people to it, we can begin to spread this message that has been so largely confined to New Age, New Thought people and that needs to get out into the mainstream. 
It needs to get out into the broad mainstream of America, into the millions of people who are not finding answers in the traditional churches and, and who need to redeem the whole tradition by coming to understand that Jesus is a symbol, um, a representation of, of who they are if they but knew it. Yes, and I'm glad you made that point about going to your local bookstores. That's always an important thing to really bring the essence of these books, these books, especially from Namaste Publishing, very powerful publishing house, bringing a lot of consciousness. And I look forward so much to having Michael on the show, and Connie is going to come on as well. So I'm I'm very excited. And, and it's just really, I feel very privileged to offer the platform to really host this well, consciousness that is. Oh, thank you. And it's I'm so, so humble. And so excited and you know I have the same intention of just really bringing people into awareness and when they come into awareness that they are the light they are love they are the truth that in itself shifts consciousness shifts consciousness effortlessly and so if we can just through you and me cumulatively bring that awareness in the consciousness will naturally evolve you know one of the great insights that um has come to me, it's really come to my full awareness through Michael Brown's presence process and also working with his forthcoming book, Alchemy of the Heart. It, it is that everything in my life externally is reflecting inside what's really going on. It's kind of like a play being put on that shows me what I need to wake up to within myself. And in the book, uh, Your Forgotten Self, Mirrored in Jesus the Christ, I talk about how Jesus orchestrated his life and the life of his uh, disciples to bring them to a crisis of immense proportions where they will be plunged into absolute desperation and could find no way forward other than to awaken into the reality he had been living around them. He... he at the very moment when they thought he was going to take over the reins of government, lead a revolution, and change Israel's position in the world completely, throwing off the Roman yoke, he let himself be taken and crucified. And that sent them into a tailspin. I talk in the book about how when Peter, uh, who uh, on the night of the arrest, he, he followed Jesus to where the, the trial and so forth was taking place, and he three times denies knowing Jesus. But his denial of Jesus isn't fear. His denial of Jesus is his disappointment and his rage that Jesus could have let himself come to this end when he had the crowds with him and could have so easily led a revolution. There was no fear in Peter. He was the one who pulled the sword and was ready to fight when the soldiers came that night. He had the courage to go into where Jesus was being tried. It's not fear. It's his rage. And I have found in my own life that what plunged me through into really, really getting this in the heart of my being is the suffering and pain I've gone through. Whether it be a divorce, whether it be a financial reversal, whether it be a crisis in life such as uh, Hurricane Katrina, whatever it is, the things in our life are all not random. They are part of that oneness that is in everything that unites everything, that connects everything, so that the entire scenario of our lives is a setup, as Michael Brown calls it. It's a setup, just as Jesus set those disciples up for complete and utter disappointment. And then, in the depths of their despair, 
they discovered within themselves the resurrected life of Jesus. Not as an external reality, but within themselves. The Christ reality came alive for them, and they began to live a heavenly life on earth. That, that's, that's the heart of Michael's message, that everything out here is a setup. It's a setup to wake me up to who I really am. If you think things are going wrong in your life right now, they're going just right. And once we can embrace that, once we can embrace that reality that everything is going just the way it's meant to be, no matter how painful, and that it is trying to open us up to see ourselves, everything is transformed. We step into this reality. We begin to live from this power that is within us. We take responsibility for our lives. We are for the first time in charge. Or as the New Testament puts it, we reign in life with Christ, or we are overcomers, all of that. But these are not things we have to effort at. We don't have to try to do these. They just flow spontaneously from a whole new understanding of ourselves. But most of us don't get into that unless it's by crisis. Now, Eckhart Tolle, who is, of course, the author of The Power of Now, and it was to get that book out into the world that Constance Kello founded Namaste Publishing a decade ago. Uh, Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now and in A New Earth and Stillness Speaks. Um, he, he says that the time is here for those who are willing to, that we don't have to go through suffering in order to awaken. I, I don't know about you, but I've had enough karma, enough drama for a lifetime. And I'm ready to step into the joy of living in a loving and peaceful connection with everyone and everything in my life. And it can be that way. Yes, and yes, and we co-actively create that by being accountable and acknowledging the truth of who we are, the genuine divine beings within yes. and and it's just a beautiful simple thing i always i you know i'm a, a metaphysician i am a clairvoyant intuitive and and my message is always you are the answer you are your greatest teacher you are your greatest master and you are your greatest healer i am simply a reminder when you forget <laughs> and you know i loved what you said earlier in the show you talked about our, our only problem is we're so reluctant to believe we have the answer in other words, we ask the question, we put it out to the universe, and the divine then sends us the answer, and we don't want to believe what it is we're seeing. We, don't, we, we have this resistance to, to believing it. And yet salvation, which is wholeness, is a matter of from faith to faith. It begins in faith, it ends in faith. And faith is trust. It's committing ourselves to this reality. It's, it's letting it be our deep core reality fleshed out in every aspect of our lives. You know, and, and I cannot say that that is so true. And, you know, for myself, my story has been a very interesting story, and I'll briefly overcap. And it, I, I went on the search. I was searching for my awareness, for my consciousness. And I moved to San Francisco, and I attended some great classes there in the Bay Area at um, the Berkeley Psychic Institute, among other places. And then I thought, okay, I've gotten enough here. I need to now go. I was in this mystical redwood forest right across the street from a beautiful me a Buddhist meditation organization. It, it, the energy was just amazing. And I thought, okay, well, I didn't really find my consciousness here. I think I got another layer of the onion here, but I need another layer. So then I searched up to Seattle, and in Seattle I just didn't seem to find anything for myself other than um, glimpses of who I was not. 
And so I yeah. thought, okay, well, I'm going to return back to San Diego. Maybe the answer is just going to be sitting there in a little box for me when I get home. <laughs> and so I come back to San Diego, and I went, you know, wherever I am, there's the answer. So therefore, yeah. I am the answer. And that was the way that I really, it was, it was a, in a sense a journey, but it really took me going from one physical geographic location to another to really grasp, you know, Dolph, you are the answer. The answer is from within. And it's taken me some more time to go, wow, trust that answer from within. Know that answer from within. And, of course, it's a process. Whenever I trust the answer that comes, abundance comes, networking right. comes, miracles come. This radio show popped in out of, out of nowhere to, to offer this platform for people who are also seeking to, to raise consciousness and to remind people of the truth of who they are. And, and so things come, and when I don't trust, it's amazing how frustrated or, you know, how human I can become, and the emotions will flood. And I go, it's really simple. I have to remind myself, it's very simple. Return to the truth of who you are, and all is well. And then we and accept the circumstances that are unfolding as part of our life now, and we recognize in them the answer. The universe is giving us the answer each moment if we are but attuned to it. Absolutely. The circumstances of our lives, they are that reality. There is nothing going awry here. It's all going the way it's meant to be, to awaken us. And then, and then as we awaken and we, and we form the intention, the universe lines up behind it and, and, and brings things to pass in our lives in an amazing way. It's all in perfect divine order. It's a matter of truly just trusting that. And this Absolutely. is really the essence of, of Constance Keller's book, The Leap, which yes. I, I was privileged to edit that book, and uh, I just think it's a, a, just a phenomenal read. It, it takes us beyond where I've seen most books go. It's a I'm really truly excited to have her on powerful to, book. to share that. Yes, I'm real, we're going to do that. You'll enjoy that interview. Yes, I'm excited. You know, I... I I have gone through the book, and she presents some very unique principles, and she's got a power behind her, yet a gentleness. So I got a very compassionate energy, and then I got a lot of power. So when I was through reading that book, I was extremely empowered again to go take this leap. Now is the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it parallels Michael Brown's wonderful insight that if something in your life you want to see change, let's suppose it's a health issue or whatever it may be, or you need insight, all you have to do is bring presence to it. Just bring your focus to it and become present with it. That's all. Change comes not by trying to change, not by a lot of mental exercises or all this kind of thing that we tend to get into. That's all efforting. It comes when we just allow ourselves to become present with the situation. If something's hurting in our body, all we have to do is become present with it. If some situation in our life is painful, we just need to become present with it. And Constance shows how to become still and present with it in the leap. And and Mike. Oh, we have lost. We have lost 
David Robert Ord. I, I apologize for that, but we are coming to a close here on the show, so I'm sorry for that abrupt ending. But I do appreciate his appearance this evening. And again, I'd like you all to go out and check his book, Your Forgotten Self, Mirrored in Jesus the Christ. You can go to a local bookstore, Barnes and Nobles, or your other local bookstores, and please feel free to look up that book, get that book, and you can check out all the other books by Namaste Publishing that also support a higher consciousness here for us on earth at www.namastepublishing.com. And I'd also like to let you know that David is available. He is the editorial director at Namaste Publishing. So if you have any questions, for him regarding this book or surrounding any of the tools that he had mentioned tonight, feel free to reach him via that website. It's very, very exciting to have him on here tonight. So I thank you, David, for coming on the show. And I'd like to just end tonight with some announcements in closing. I'd like to let my audience know about a great site I'd like you to check out, www.aquamantra.com. A great woman, Alexandra, the CEO and founder, uses positive affirmations that she has written on the water bottles, such as I am love or I am healthy, and other affirmations that we all could use to remind us again of our inherent divine self as we've discussed with David this entire evening. (laughs) And just to check her out and explore that and see if Aquamantra has anything to offer you. Their motto is raising consciousness one sip at a time. Coming up on January 24th on Evolution Revolution, join me with Richard Blackstone and his Radiant Light in his latest book release, Nuts and Bolts Spirituality, Waking Up the Sleepwalkers. This book offers a divine awakening to the process of the universe, awareness, creation, and manifesting in current time. Wow, I'm excited. A very rich book, just my style. I look forward to you joining us then. You can Google his name and find him on the web as well if you'd like to do your homework prior. And, of course, as always, our Evolution Revolution archives are available with all of our inspirational authors on the Evolution Revolution homepage 24 hours a day at no charge, either to listen or to upload as a podcast for later listening and inspiration. Those archives include Megan Skinner with her exciting book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Sextrology, Dr. Lisa Love and her wisdom and living in love through conscious manifestation with her book, Beyond the Secret, Spiritual Power and the Law of Attraction, Jennifer Weigel with her humorous approach to life's challenges and opportunities in her book, Stay Tuned, Betty Youngs, which is so exciting. She has been accepted into the Oprah Book Club. Congratulations, Betty, with her latest book release based on the nonprofit Habitat for Humanity. Her book is titled The House That Love Built. Taylor Wilshire with her fun novel, The What If Guy, based on A Course in Miracles. And Paula Marie Jackson's Miraculous Affirmations in Love and Light. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in a future for an enlightening experience. And I'd also like to let you know I am an intuitive, a clairvoyant, clairaudient metaphysician who offers readings via phone or in person if you're in Southern California. And I'd love for you to connect with me if you're interested at lightforall at gmail.com. You can find that again on the Evolution Revolution homepage. 
You know, thank you for joining Evolution Revolution tonight with my wonderful, inspirational, and honorable guest, David Robert Ord. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting Evolution Revolution. Please join me for the future episodes. Happy New Year's. Make it the best 2008 ever. I wish you abundant peace, joy, love, and light. Namaste. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. No matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. 